Namaste. So we have covered a long passage and come to the last two closing chapters of the Life Divine where Shurabindu takes up all the threads that he has woven so far. In fact, they are the threads of creation, the warp and woof of creation and takes them to their penultimate possibility. That possibility is a divine life in a divine body. Though here Sri primarily considers divine life because divine body is something still the next step, crowning glory. So, um, toward the later part in supramental manifestation, we will see he speaks about the divine body. Here he passingly mentions. But the first thing is to establish a divine life in earth, just as right now we have a mental life an animal life, a physical life and uh, some kind of mixture of uh, these different modes of operation of consciousness. So too, we also have upon earth passing glimpses of a psychic life and spiritual life. But most of the time these are glimpses or these are rising to a little peak above the mind, a peak or two peaks. And most of the time, this kind of an uprising gives us uh, nice mystic experiences, but the field of nature is left untouched. Uh, this uh, psychic and spiritual experiences, they help in showing us that we are not this uh, field of nature in which we are caught. So it gives us a new identity to that extent. And if we wish, as has been most of the time the case, one can withdraw from the field of nature because one is like you wake up. That's the example given in many of the, uh, you know, through many parables. So let's take one of these parables, classical parable. Uh, Sri Ramakrishna Swami Vivekananda has uh, retold this. And the parable is of a little uh, lion, lion cub who dies, uh, whose mother dies. She is being preyed upon and she delivers a baby cub and she dies while leaping across a chasm. And this baby cub is brought up by uh, the sheep who are there. You know, they get fond of the baby cub. And uh, so the baby cub is brought up and he believes that he is a sheep. So as he grows up, uh, he eats grass, he grows up like any of the sheep and one day the lion attacks. So when the lion attacks, so he's also, you know, very worried, he's afraid and he uh, starts bleating. He doesn't yet know what it means to roar. And then the lion is very surprised at why he is bleeding, why he is afraid. And so he takes him across uh, to a nearby stream and asks him to look down into the stream that is running by. So as he looks into the stream, he suddenly sees that it is the same face like the lion. And so they look at each other and now the lion says, look here, there is no difference between you and me. Now roar. So he roars. Now this is how the story parable ends. So what is the difference between this and the supramental transformation? Well, first we must discover who we are. That is, that is a fact. But having discovered who we are, do we just enter into the vast freedom of the lion or we try to change the sheep world into the world of lions? Make them also kings in the jungle. So this is where the difference comes in that it is a divine life. It's not an individual achievement. 
So individual achievements spiritually have been so far uh, quite a few, but they have stopped at whatever plane they could get mukti. That was it. As to nature, nobody nobody touched the field of nature because nature was considered as uh, as Swami Vivekananda puts it, it's like the tail of a dog. You straighten it, uh, but it doesn't. But the interesting aside to that is this to this analogy. You know, dogs do get a straight tail, and that is when they go mad. So, well, human beings also, when they are touched by the higher light, can sometimes have a straight tail, which seems abnormal to the world of normal human beings around. Because they are very different now. The yardsticks and standards of normal life, they get broken. So that's what we read last time. The dangers and difficulties, the perils of the passage. So it's not a smooth journey that, okay, now the super mind has come and now everything will be wonderful. So Sri reminds us that this super mind will follow the evolutionary process. When mind came in, it was not like suddenly the caveman got up and said, oh, I have got a... Uh, you know, poetic urge inside me, let's play with computers. It took one lakh years from the cave dweller. He was very much like uh, any other animal around, except that he was seeking. He didn't know whether the ape is seeking or not. So he was in search of something. He didn't know whether the ape is also in search of something or not. And yet, slowly, slowly, there was a parting of ways. And this parting of ways took um, human beings from Delhi to New York in one leap. Whereas the ape still climbs from one tree to another. That's his ultimate idea of Olympics. So, the uh, ape Olympics. So, this is how we have to understand that in the beginning, there will be such a close parallel. It will be very difficult to make out. Where is the supramental life and where is the normal uh, human life? And I am using the word normal because supramental life will be a new normal. It will pass through a passage which will seem like abnormal to the uh, normal human existence because um, uh, we live within the framework of the mind uh, or the vital. So human beings, we are driven, let's say, by desires um, and we live for the satisfaction of the ego. In supramental life, to a Gnostic being, Shobindu speaks of the Gnostic being. Gnostic means knowledge in the highest sense, but ordinarily it is uh, in the Western world, Gnostics were the Vedantins and they were driven away by the mainstream uh, religion, institutionalized religion, they were regarded as heretics. <laughs> they still exist, but they are very scared. Similarly, alchemists, they were tantrics. But uh, again, they were driven out of the mainstream because the spiritual impulse had not taken the kind of root it took in India. So Gnostics were Vedantins. They were rooted in, rooted in knowledge of the self, um, the knowledge of the one. Until Christianity came and wiped out everything, unfortunately. In India, this experiment continues. So here, Shurabindo uses the word Gnostic in the ultimate sense. That means truth knowledge, truth vision, truth hearing, truth audition, truth sense, truth taste, truth action. So stretch knowledge through the degrees of these spiritual planes. We have read last time that there are at each plane, the higher mind, illumined mind, intuitive mind over mind, there is a new kind of knowledge which begins to dawn and the difference between the knowledge of these higher planes and the knowledge of the mental rational plane is the rational knowledge follows a certain procedure, it's a very laborious procedure, it relies on the data of the senses, then it tries to you know understand what, what is what it tries to you know observe, makes a kind of deductions, inferences, a very indirect knowledge and um, uh, 
sometimes it leaves the senses side reason can do that and enters into an abstraction of what god would be you see when people um, are too scholarly they become almost unintelligible because uh, simply because they've read too much so at the end of the day while you can clap at it but you're not sure what you have really understood <laughs> so because reason tries to build up abstraction read kant's uh, you know <laughs> it's, it's amazing by the time you finish it uh, emmanuel kant you of course one can understand but one can see my god what is train was hypothesis and he's building so that is the problem of mental knowledge but knowledge which begins to climb beyond the mind even at the higher mind there is a clarity which begins to come and it's a more or less a knowledge which is coming from above here knowledge is building from below so that's why our evolution is a striving ignorance moving towards lesser and lesser ignorance but there it is a knowledge which has come down close to the ignorance but is still a knowledge climbing towards greater and greater knowledge so evolution right now is ignorance striving ignorance struggling to get rid of it little by little but that is knowledge moving from knowledge to greater knowledge and this greater knowledge when it touches the ultimate and that's what should be the use the word supramental truth knowledge and what is the difference between that and the overmind overmind still sees one aspect and it can build an empire and it can kind of bring them together in a kind of holistic global vision in a kind of cosmic vision but it cannot transcend what it creates and therefore it is still subject to the ignorance climbing up from lower planes over mind there is no ignorance but there is still that element of error which is there whereas in the supramental knowledge it is at once individual over mental that is cosmic as well as the transcendent all the three aspects are there because um, there is in an individual things are taking place in a certain way and to know that by an inner guidance is wonderful but this inner guidance need not tell us about the cosmos what's happening there a person may be perfectly guided from within about his life but doesn't mean he'll be able to talk about russia ukraine war when it comes to russia ukraine war he'll use his mind and say this is good this is bad based on our mental understanding he may get some glimpses here and there in the cosmic vision you embrace not only the individual but the cosmic um, movement that is taking place you understand not only yourself you understand others you know what's happening in the others in the perfected cosmic consciousness take it one step for, further so transcendent is things which have not yet entered the cosmic manifestation so there are aspects of truth there are becoming itself doesn't stop with the cosmic but it will go still further so that new manifestation is in the supermind so supermind is the omnipresence omniscience omnipotence of god in the overmind we don't have that full omnipotence and the omniscience in fact shurabindu says in the second world war he had used um, the overmind power so he was asked why you didn't use the supermind was it not there with you he said yes it was there but if i use it it will have devastating results so but when you use the overmind it is a play of possibilities through which it works it sees the truth tries to play with possibilities and eventually lead through that for instance in the overmind it may see that somebody is going away from the i'm talking of an individual level that a person is going away from the truth it may allow the freedom 
and yet knows that eventually it will come back on track. On track means toward the intended. That's how the overmind consciousness or being of overmind will act. But the supermind will chase him through that. So that's what you see, you know, mother's ways. The supermind will not just say, Ki, okay, in the freedom will come. It knows the imperative law. What route one should take? And it will ensure that the person is on that route. Whichever way one goes. So there is a subtle but very important difference um, between supramental and overmind. So what happens when a being, Gnostic being, begins to embody the supramental consciousness? Does he become omniscient and omnipotent? Shobindo uses the word. There is practical omniscience and practical omnipotence. Whatever is needed for the work he is here to do, that he will know and that he will be able to execute. That's why we see when mother gave the work to people, she would say, you are given the knowledge of whatever work you are given. So there are such beautiful instances. One of them, I remember Jayanti Bhai, you know, he was one of the founders of this marbling group. So he was telling me, he said, you know, when I came, mother gave me the work of uh, teaching French. So he told mother, but I don't know French at all. Now she, she has seen what he should be. So she says, don't worry, you will learn it. Pick it up. He became one of the most loved and favorite teachers of French. Students used to say that, you know, nobody taught French like him. And he didn't know French. There are people like that to whom mother would give this particular work. So there is an imperative, there is a complete omniscience of an individual line of growth. That's why over mind stops with Swadharma. But see, the Gita hints as the, at the coming of the supramental reign when it says Sarva Dharman Parityaja. In overmind, maximum you can do is follow the Swadharma. That's overmind, maximum. But in supermind, it is God's will. That's it. So your Swadharma, all that complex evolution through all that is gone. So the place where Gita stops is the place where Shirvindo's yoga begins. And the Gita comes to a cryptic close, the supreme word. Sarva dharman parityaja mame namraja. That's where the supramental yoga begins. Now I want to be moved just by God's will. What my sudharma is, that is the soul is taking us through a complex evolution. Suddenly it is, you know, uh, accelerated. So there are several instances of this kind. So supramental gnosis knows exactly at each moment what is to be done. And again, whatever power is needed is given to an individual. When people would, um, uh, you know, mother would often say, whatever work you are given, you are given three times the power to execute it. And people would say, mother, I fell ill. She said, you have no business to fall ill when you are doing mother's work. And then she says, if you fall ill, three times the power is given to recover, to find where the problem was, to rectify that. And to hasten the transformation. So she would say that it is given. So this is how the supermind acts. There is an imperative absoluteness about it. Which in the overmind there is still a play of possibility. So this is the Gnostic evolution. So naturally in the beginning it will and it because it is an evolution. Not just dwelling in one of the higher planes where you see a chinmay body and you know fuse with it. Or you ultimately withdraw or you stay there and act upon human beings. So in overmind consciousness, the dictum is, you are in the world, but not of the world. 
in the super mind you are in the world and off the world sounds very strange that's what the phrase shirbindu uses in the life divine a gnostic being is in the world and off the world and yet off only of not o double f and yet he is exceeds the world in his inner being he transcends the entire movement he is the king that way yet he can identify with even the lowest of the low see that's how in in the case of yogi saints they do maintain a certain degree of distance this is something which shurbindo eventually says the problems of the divine life but this person literally is like um, you know godliness walking upon earth because he realizes it and what is that godliness oh thou who pervadest all the worlds below yet sittest above thou who disdainest not the worm to be nor even the clod therefore we know by that humility that thou art god his way and because he'll start putting a pressure on nature so the nature of the gnostic being will be very different for instance in the mind there is no more a labor to know what needs to be known will be known it doesn't mean he will be an encyclopedia of anything and everything though he can by concentration he can have access to any kind of knowledge because that's how intuition operates we have several instances in you know mother's case and of course we, mother is beyond all so there were people i know for instance chandradeep ji so he would he was given the task of segregating letters so when letters would come to him for the sadaks he would just start putting this one there this one there all of them he developed that kind of consciousness in the dining room people in every sphere you have to take this many grams he says you should develop such a consciousness that when you put your hand inside you should take up exactly the same amount this is where this knowledge is not just a mental intellectual conception it's in every field you want to make a painting spontaneously it should the creative word should come out you see champaklal ji's marbled paintings it should come spontaneously from within and you should create not okay i want to make i'll make it like this in a frame every field it will operate uh, with that kind of but naturally it's not that everybody will do the same thing so this question was asked to mother does it mean because now you have all knowledge so everybody will do everything is it no that will be too boring a thing so in supramental life though there is this possibility that you could take up anything and touch it and uplift it but deliberately for the joy of the leela but with full awareness you will put behind all else except that thing which you want to express but it's a very conscious thing it's not that i don't have it in me you can pick it up and you can because that's how the supramental life operates but it will put behind everything knowing what it is putting behind knowing what is put in front for the sake of the work for example with pranabda mother once said you could have been very um, intellectual but you deliberately put it behind because the work had to be done in matter and you took this possibility so it's a very very different conscious existence so this knowledge will start working upon every layer in the mind it will bring intuitive beams of knowledge which is a world of difference all this labor shubindu uses the word galley slave labor of the mind for anything and everything and the worst is with the with mental knowledge you discover you are very convinced that it is like this but after an year or two years it is not the same thing you you discover that no it was an erroneous either an erroneous data erroneous analysis erroneous deduction what about the heart already we have spoken about the speech 
intuitive speech intuitive beams expressing through speech the word will be conscious and creative so it won't be a word which we casually that's why for a being who is beginning to live a kind of gnostic life this kind of a casual uh, small talk shop talk he, he will be there but he will always be exceeding it he will not be identified with the inferior modes of working of nature even though he is of the world that's what shivindo classifies he will be in the world and of the world he will he, he can be with people who are completely in ignorance but he will not identify with those modes of ignorance for instance the common preoccupation of people is about food so if you ask a gnostic being uh, or a gnostic being in the making so you are coming today what shall i make for you so ask only once huh? don't ask again you'll say food <laughs> what is that it's okay it will become impossible for you to be dragged in that kind of conversation because you will not identify with the inferior movements even though you will be with the world but you will be identified with the truth awareness so even with humanity with whomever you are interacting it will be on the basis of this deeper truth and what is this deeper truth it is that the one self dwells in all so nobody will be an enemy even where you have to fight the war you will not be fighting an enemy seething with anger hatred see you did this to me I, none of these things will be there even sometimes you have to stay something it will always be done welling from a deep source of intuitive knowledge about the person as well as a deep source of love and compassion this will be the nature of an um, you know gnostic being that will be moved by love and compassion and a complete knowledge of the divine self in all because one has discovered it within one discovers it in others and therefore it's so easy to you know help if you want to use the word but that word will have no meaning in the gnostic consciousness because he is not like a philanthropist or altruist uh, sacrificing himself to help others whatever he will do will be a help at one place mother was asked that uh, you see people um, somebody who had realized the divine and now you know he is doing nothing he said no his mere presence is drawing the divine forces into the world so we should understand where we are going to enter what zone so when the heart is full of that sweetness and love and ananda of the divine freed from the clutch of hatred jealousy possessiveness how oh, this is what is the dream of an ideal world we all dream of it but the mind cannot create it the mind says yes is very nice aaj chal ke tujhe main leke chalu ek aise gagan ke tale so that gagan is somewhere else aansu bhi na ho gham bhi na ho pyar hi pyar pale that pyar very soon changes into you know they run around the tree in the beginning and run around the courts as life goes by and afterward they run to temples because okay that's life so <laughs> but a gnostic being is a being who will embody that love love of the divine and because he'll embody love of the divine he will his personality will be impersonally personal you know see when um, purani ji saw shurabindo had his darshan after some years he had seen him during the revolutionary period and he saw the massive massive change that had come to him and then he writes something very interesting he says actually difficult to describe him as a personality because personality is you fix there are some traits he says there was vast impersonality and yet you were in the presence of a power 
a being, a light, a force. That is the impression people got. And this power being life force, so he'll be an ocean, but it'll throw waves. Suddenly, Shurabindar saying so, Nirod, you found it? When they are searching for his nail, this power is throwing out like a wave and that wave is rippling and then, you know, you catch it and you bathe in it. But try to describe or define Shurabindo. Try to limit his personality into this or that. He doesn't fall into any category. So this will be the Gnostic being's personality. In his, there will always be an impersonality because it's that Akshara Brahma. <laughs> always. So that's why he can any time come out and cut himself off. At the same time, there will be a personality. But not in the terms of a fixed attributes, the way we describe people. There will always in it be different movements which one can uh, cannot comprehend because you are in the presence of a vastness. With Sri window see um, the author of the life divine, fighting the second world war, becoming like a child when mother is parting the, making the hairs, you know, like a little child. Suddenly, you know, when he is on the when somebody is sick, the deep compassion that comes out. When Midlani Devi dies, a tear drop in the eyes of the divine. But it will be always in the background of a vast impersonality. So this, because he is no more leading a surface life. The gap between the surface and the inner being is obviously broken. Without that, there cannot be a supramental life. There cannot even be a true spiritual life. Then what about the life energy? Normally in us, knowledge and will are dissociated. Even when we know something, we cannot do it. When we do something, want to do something, we don't have the knowledge to do it. There is always a struggle between knowledge and will. In the Gnostic being, the two will be united. What you know, the will will accomplish it spontaneously, almost effortlessly. So this, there is a union of knowledge and will. There is a union of personality and impersonality. And then of course, this life will be a fount of luminous force. In us, life is a tremendous struggle. Because of ignorance, we don't know what we want, we are incapacitated, we are so limited. It can be a very frustrating experience, you know, to live life the way we live. But in a Gnostic being, it won't be a struggle, even when he has to, because there is ignorance around, there is the world around. But it won't take the shape of a dramatic struggle. It will go through that like a master, conquering it, knowing its direction, tendencies, knowing everything from within and then helping it move towards its goal. So that is the Gnostic life. Its penultimate consummation is of course a divine body, which of course Shabindu says that it's the last crown. We shouldn't much talk about it. There are people who immediately want a divine body. <laughs> Even the consciousness is still animal. And they start observing, you know, supramental transformation going on in the cells. So be careful of that. Uh, divine body is going to come. It's inevitable in the process of evolution. But first, uh, an isolated divine body will be a strange phenomena. So first the consciousness must be rooted in the divine. When the consciousness is rooted in the divine and all our actions flow from that, then it is a divine life. When the consciousness is half human, half spiritual, with some glimpses of the divine, it is not a divine life. It can at best be a spiritual life. But which is a paradox because spiritual consciousness has tended to move away from life. So there is a spiritual man, but not spiritual life. 
one tends to keep away so all this he speaks about at great length and then he takes up this challenge that in divine life it will be a push towards perfection now there there are number of human beings who are not interested so how will the divine life which is evolving take that challenge not only it will not be interested it will face hostility from people around see the first uh, man was an abnormal and ape must have felt what a strange two legged creature i can crush him tiger must have felt oh another prey another somebody whom i can pray eat up they didn't know till finally man lit up the fire and they all got my god this we can't do agni fool <laughs> so that time it's an anomaly so the supramental beings when they start even on the journey they will begin to appear abnormal when mother was informed that uh, it seemed there are a number of abnormal cases people who have going mad is increasing she loved and said for the moment it is good it's a sign that people are breaking free from the standard patterns mind builds patterns mind standardizes society mind creates an order but based on reason and law that's it and it's the same for all that's what you see law is the same for all but for the supramental life that's not how it will operate it may use the law if that is the path but eventually because it's a state of utter freedom so there will be a problem with the world around world will not understand may even be hostile so one of the things that the supramental being will have to manifest shubindu speaks about it is power now this is another dimension because traditional vedanta and all you have to shun power you can't have power power means power is going to take you away from the divine it has still take you away from the goal but in the supramental life power is included power is the you know knowledge power and love at the core this is what creates uh, divine is not just omniscient he is also omnipotent so one way the power will begin to emerge is through the opening of the centers we we don't know what concealed powers are there and then new faculties will come new faculties to heal new faculties to prevent new faculties to safeguard oneself it is needed mother spoke about it that uh, she could see that there will be so much attack and disruption from the world around which will not understand these beings and that's why this evolution supramental evolution may take in three four ways one is individuals but individuals won't be able to go beyond a point alone that's why long back shubindu spoke of the sangha so second is that islets which is what we see there are places where there are some people several islets where the supramental life is developing side by it doesn't mean people are supramental beings but supramental life in the making let me put it like that supramental life which is developing a divine life which is developing is side by side with life which is just living in the normal ignorance is happy and satisfied with that ignorance and yet they will create a force field within which they will develop a little away or else the old solution of the monastery but the problem of monastery shubindu speaks about it and one reason why the ashram was created was this it was this, it is a special formation when you are inside it it's like you are it's conterminous with the world but strangely it is separate from the world i mean one can feel it and sense it you are moving with everything which is around and yet you know that you are as if in a different zone a different dimension which is so different you can't uh, identify with those things which are happening of a very uh, 
you know, uh, different inferior kind. So that is one solution. But he said that would mean difficulties will um, mount up tremendously because whenever you try to do this experiment in a closed circle, you will see that the difficulties surmount amazingly because when you do it in a diffused way, it is like little, little, you are inching. But if you do it within a closed community, the difficulties of each one surmount. That's why in 1957, after the supramental manifestation, Mother said the ashram is now no more just this geographical boundary. Wherever there are people who have turned to the teaching of Sri you can take it that it's that large Gnostic life or the large community which is developing towards the Gnostic life. It is not yet a lost Gnostic life. First, there should be Gnostic beings in a Gnostic life of community. There will be no fight, no quarrel, no... Because everybody is living by that truth. That is still, you know, a way to go. But at least there are Gnostic individuals developing within certain force fields which facilitate this. That's what is happening today. So this is the background and we can just read some passages... Very beautiful passages. And naturally this will be a life of unity in diversity. Mind tries to create uniformity. If it tries to create diversity, it is on the surface. Let's meet together. Let's have, you know, uh, what is that, iftar party. And then let's, you know, come together and do this puja. That's how the mind tries to create. It doesn't understand any other way. On the surface, let's meet. But this life will understand the deeper truth. It won't need any of these outer means. Because it's a conscious life, conscious of the divine within leading each one in his own way. So you don't have to do any of these things. The last question is that, Shubhinda says it's a life, up till now it is, um, what is meant by spiritual life is a annulment. And Shubhinda uses the word divine life is a fulfillment. To be, to be fully, to be fully conscious with a full consciousness, to exist fully on all dimensions. And to be in the bliss of Brahman. Because these are the three aspects of the divine. So it is a life of fulfillment but a divine fulfillment. Up till now people didn't know the way. Aspiration in every human being is this. But we don't know the way so people think it is impossible. So let's you know withdraw. And it will take up every aspect of mental life which it can take up. And give it a completely new turn. Every aspect of human life which can, which is ready to be changed, which can be changed. But certain things, obviously they will drop off and they have to drop off. Anger, fear, maybe food, necessity of food will drop off. But certain things will undergo a transmutation. What can be transmuted? One example we see is in mother's music, Sunilda's music. Sunilda's music comes from a different domain altar. You can't categorize mother's music. Is it western, eastern? No. It's something totally different and new. Similarly, when you see mother's paintings, even with Champaklalji's, it's something amazing. It's not abstract art. It's not modern art. It's not a typical art with forms, but it's something very amazing. See Champaklalji's, those marble paintings. Very amazing, the way he is. So many things will emerge. Poetry, new poetry. Shurabindo has, you know, like the mantra revealed it to all of us. So every sphere there will be a change. So we'll just read some passages. So it has to work through the uh, 
harmony and unity will be a natural principle in supramental because of this uh, cosmic vision cosmic sentiment he'll be a world personality so he'll not normally how do we have ye uh, mera jaat ka hai is <laughs> so funny you know you tell somebody even within the indian context i am from here where are you from say india abhi now this feeling at least has started coming huh? people are saying i am an indian also i am a human and i am the divine in disguise that you can't say because then berampur road to berampur or rachi these are mental and asylum places they will wide open who is where is that fellow seeing the divine in everybody <laughs> so he continues and a supramental or gnostic race of beings would not be a race made according to a single type molded in a single fixed pattern so you see even when the beatles broke this pattern we want no education we don't want that standardized that's why children are revolting against school everybody is going coming out the same fellow fit for a particular kind of work so he says that that we don't want for the law of the supermind is unity fulfilled in diversity and therefore there would be an infinite diversity in the manifestation of the gnostic consciousness although that consciousness would still be one in its basis in its constitution in its all revealing and all uniting order so you see it is very interesting uh, this something which i often um you see when you go to i been to several ashram you'll see people made more or less on the same pattern they are following their practices pattern is basically what is there in the world variations of personality different people different but then they have the same practice look at uh, how the mother gathered around her people just take the names of people pranabdha navjaat ji satprem to take just three names then of course pavitrada champaklal ji nalnida amrita all different varieties and yet they are all who will say who is greater and who is lesser when nalnida was asked who is greater about champaklal ji and himself who is greater nalnida said but what is the difference between me and champaklal that was his answer who is greater <laughs> uh, that consciousness doesn't uh, live in the way we live he would feel the presence of the divine in every center of his consciousness in every vibration of his life force in every cell of his body so even in every music he will uh, you know how the mother would pick up in this music this note this is a note from the new world this particular respect a small little thing oh this is something marvelous it's not like um, all beings would be to him his own selves all ways and powers of consciousness would be felt as the ways and powers of his own universality but in that inclusive universality there would be no bondage to inferior forces no deflection from his own highest truth it would not admit any confusion clash infringing of boundaries any distortions of the different harmonies that constitute the total harmony the gnostic individual would be in the world and of the world but 
would also exceed it in his consciousness and live in his self of transcendence above it. He would be universal, but free in the universe, individual, but not limited by his separative individuality. So when you look at such a being outwardly, you say, oh, he is attached to this, he is attached to that. Ask that being, you say, are, under me, ma ke saath, aur kya? <laughs> because that's his truth. And he's conscious of it. It's not a intellectual thought. This is where the core is. This is the truth. Rest is the lila unfolding itself. So, you'll take up the world of life and matter. So, there will be this primarily inner life because that is the first step. But this inner life will, first one has to be rooted, all that we have read earlier. Then, but it will flow into every aspect of outer life. Love will be for him the contact, meeting, union of self with self, of spirit with spirit, a unification of being, a power and joy and intimacy and closeness of soul to soul, of the one to the one, a joy of identity and the consequences of a diverse identity. Because you have the oneness. So how do you love? So okay, the joy of oneness Putting up as two, like you know, you pick up uh, your own hand is you, and yet it is different. So this is the all the time this you know that this is the divine, this is the divine, and yet for the sake of the joy, it has taken different forms. And it's not just like okay with everybody it'll be like that. There is a law of truth which will unfold. So when a supramental being loves someone, it is not someone. It is still the one. But for the sake of the delight of love, which needs a seeming otherness of self, for the play, there is a little um, difference which is allowed for the joy of that. So he will use matter very consciously. There will be in him a certain respect for physical things. In an awareness of the occult consciousness in them. For a Gnostic being, if he holds an object, he will not just hold an object, but all the vibrations which are within it. He will suddenly get that uh, intuitively. What is, what does it contain, who has used it. So it will be very difficult for a Gnostic being to just go and stay in any hotel. To... <laughs> Because he'll become conscious of the vibrations. He'll become conscious of, you know, who came, who did. He can. He can override everything because he is transcendent. But he will know. In the first stages, he'll be, he will become aware. Otherwise, like, hotel to jana hai, jaake, you know, it's a nice AC room. That's how people think. But that's not how a supramental being or a Gnostic life will have. So he will treat matter with respect, physical things with respect. Then there will be right perception of everything. Personality and impersonality are not opposite principles. They are inseparable aspects of one and same reality. A supramental Gnostic individual will be a spiritual person, but not a personality in the sense of a pattern of being marked out by a settled combination of fixed qualities. So you have people whom you meet are the bad gusal and he is very anger prone. He is always, you know, softy softy. You don't know divine Gnostic being 
He may be absolutely Ashutosh one moment, next moment Rudra. Because there will be a degree of impersonality and universality in the being. We feel ourselves in presence of a light of consciousness, a potency, a sea of energy, can distinguish and describe its free waves of action and quality, but not fix itself. So, he describes all this and I'll just read a couple of passages from the Divine Life, the last chapter, and then we can have questions. Okay. So, Shurabindu speaks of, you know, uh, in the divine life he takes up the problem of individual Gnostic. Gnostic being is an individual growth and the challenges. But divine life is a collective life. It's a life. It's, so, the challenges of an individual, the society, the adaptation, uh, the various problems. And then he points out that the crisis that we are facing is an evolutionary crisis. And... Um, he says the urgency because what we have managed to create is the new barbarian. What is the new barbarian? Who is a barbarian? Barbarian is somebody occupied only with the Dehyatma both. The body and the vital. He lives for the body and the vital comforts and enjoyments. But now, science has placed at his disposal the new barbarian. He still lives for the body and the vital. But science has placed at his disposal not just stones which the ape man or the caveman threw, but nuclear bombs. So dangerous, but still the barbarian. So he speaks about the dangers which can come and um, why there is an urgency for this evolution. Any such complete transformation of the earth life in a number of human beings could not establish itself altogether at once. Even when the turning point has been reached, the decisive line crossed, the new life in its beginnings would have to pass through a period of ordeal and an arduous development. No free lunches. Okay. <laughs> because otherwise, it won't accept. It's like application rejected. Why? Because lower nature is just too active. <laughs> so, you have to pass through the ordeal. A general change from the old consciousness taking up the whole life into the spiritual principle would be necessary first step. One might conceive of a number of individuals thus evolving separately in the midst of the old life and then joining together to establish the nucleus of the new existence. But it is not likely that nature would operate in this fashion and it would be difficult for the individual to arrive at a complete change while still enclosed in the life of the lower nature. At a certain stage, this is of course, he's, uh, now whether he wrote this in the first, second decade or it was revised in late 30s. But supramental manifestation had not taken place then. We must understand that the difficulty, the struggle was that inwardly the life has to come out. The supermind super is hidden inside. But there must be the descent of the new principle. At least in a few individuals. But now it is in the larger scale. So it is a manifestation. So this we must understand which has facilitated things greatly. At a certain stage, it might be necessary to follow the age-long device of the separate community. But with a double purpose. So now he is explaining. That time ashram was not formed. 
this obviously written before 1920 because he's saying it may be necessary first to provide a secure atmosphere a place and life apart in which the consciousness of the individual might concentrate on its evolution in surroundings where all was turned and centered towards the one endeavor first logic for the ashram and next when things were ready so you know all this intellectual idea how does it matter this all you know so in some way one has to be connected and next when things were ready to formulate and develop the new life in those surroundings and in this prepared spiritual atmosphere so first it was we see before 26 this what happened then it started formulating into different activities and areas of life it might be that in such a concentration of effort look how precisely clear should be this four scene it might be that in such a concentration of effort in a small space and time all the difficulties of the change would present themselves with a concentrated force for such for each seeker carrying in himself the possibilities but also the imperfections of a world that has to be transformed so mother used this word impossibility earlier each of you is an impossibility <laughs> then later on she says five years back i said impossibility but now that the supramental manifestation has taken place i would say each of you is a difficulty to be solved and if you solve it here because you are a representative being it will be solved in the world so all of our unique human specimens on the way to a greater becoming so that is how one has to understand the ashram it is a place of concentrated effort but also concentration of difficulties he would bring in not only his capacities but his difficulties and the oppositions of the old nature and mixed together in the restricted circle of a small and close communal life these might assume a considerably enhanced force of obstruction which would tend to counterbalance the enhanced power and concentration of the forces making for the evolution what does it mean practically see if you are an angry person outside in the world prone to anger or some such people don't even bother they are interested in their own transaction or if once in a while they rub suddenly are kya gussa ho jata hai wo that's it that's it here it is a close community you get angry twice and you are labeled hey is an angry person <laughs> even when you have changed you carry that lovely stamp because that's why mother said do not when you do not have anything good to speak about anybody here refrain from speaking and she said it is a help to the divine work because what is happening we are strengthening already the person is struggling it's not easy the difficulty is concentrated in him now by pointing out you are actually making it worse so that's why she said refrain from it because one has to understand the difficulty of the work this is a difficulty that has broken in the past all the efforts of mental man to evolve something better better but if nature is ready and has taken a revolutionary decision or of the power of the spirit descending from the higher planes is sufficiently strong that has taken place the difficulty would be overcome and a first evolutionary formation or formations would be possible so this where we understand 
the one rule of the Gnostic life would be the self-expression of the spirit, the will of the divine being. So he will not live for one selfish interest. It will be impossible. Are what this will be of to my advantage. This thing will become impossible for the Gnostic being. Even if it tries to come, it will just be like a small stick on water. That kind of thing. And he describes so beautifully. That will, that self-expression could manifest through extreme simplicity or through extreme complexity and opulence or in their natural balance for beauty and plenitude, a hidden sweetness and laughter in things. A sunshine and gladness of life are also powers and expressions of the spirit. So it's not like Hasna Manaya. It could be any kind of expression. Just that, you know, it will depend what the spirit determines. In all directions, the spirit within determining the law of the nature would determine the frame of the life and its details and circumstances. In all, there would be the same plastics principle. A rigid standardization, however necessary for the mind's arrangement of things, could not be the law of the spiritual life. A great diversity and liberty of self-expression based on an underlying unity might well become manifest, but everywhere there would be harmony and truth of order. And then he of course describes very powerfully that you know about uh, all this that I was just sharing, a magnified and exaggerated ego, that is not what, uh, supermind is not somebody powerfully doing magics and miracles, he will not disturb the order of settle order of things. He will know the lines through which things are evolving. He'll help it. But not like, okay, kya ona hai? Okay, I'll do a magic wand and just heal everybody. That's not, that's a vital forces are being used. So he did not do that. And he will not be an increased, magnified and exaggerated ego, an increased power of mind, an increased power of vital force, a refined or dense and massive exaggeration of the forces of the human ignorance. That would mean a supermanhood of the Nietzschean type. Now, mark these lines. Even live divine, lot of humor is there. It might be at its worst the reign of the blonde beast. <laughs> he doesn't stop there. Reign of the blonde beast or the dark beast or of any and every beast. <laughs> A return to barbaric strength and ruthlessness and force. But this would be no evolution. It would be a Reversion to an old strenuous barbarism or it might signify the emergence of the Rakshasa or Asura out of a tense effort of humanity to surpass and transcend itself but in the wrong direction because there is the impulse to exceed. And yet, Shubhinda assures us that that won't be. Nature will not accept this kind of a thing. world had enough of this. And toward the end he says, to the normal life being an existence without the reactions of success and frustration, vital joy and grief, peril and passion, pleasure and pain, the vicissitudes and uncertainties of fate and struggle and battle and endeavor, a joy of novelty and surprise and creation projecting itself into the unknown, might seem to be void of variety and therefore void of vital savor. You know, people feel, what is life? No. It is a much more 
intense life any life surpassing these things tend to appear to it as something featureless and empty or cast in the figure of an immutable sameness the human mind's picture of heaven is the incessant repetition of an eternal monotone so whenever you see picture of <laughs> hell it is a very creative kind of tortures you have options between khalta kadhai or you know put on nails all this when you go to heaven you will always see you know on cloud somebody angel is singing on the same harp that's what he says there is a touch of humor in it that that's how we imagine but it's not true but this is a misconception for an entry into the gnostic consciousness would be an entry into the infinite it would be a self creation bringing out the infinite infinitely into form of being and the interest of the infinite is much greater and multitudinous as well as more imperishably delightful than the interest of the finite so there will be that delight because ultimately after the supramental evolution we have the evolution into the ananda so supramental evolution is the base before the maharas can manifest upon earth the delight of the spirit is ever new the forms of beauty it takes innumerable its godhead ever young and the taste of delight rasa of the infinite eternal and inexhaustible the gnostic manifestation of life would be more full and fruitful and its interest more vivid than the creative interest of the ignorance it would be a greater and happier constant miracle so there is lot to come we are in the most happening moment of history and if i may say so the most happening place the earth <laughs> and those groups which are striving towards this future that's why the mother said blessed are those who take a leap towards the future the mind will try to keep us tied are who knows the only answer to that is if not that then nothing else is worth living for so even if it's a dream i mean for us it's not a dream but i'm just saying some people say it's a dream even if it's a dream it's worth living for this dream than to live for earth's drab realities and well if it is a dream it is a dream of the divine and as the mother says the dreams of the divine are much more real and powerful than the so called earthly realities thank you uh, namaste alokda so uh, the gap between knowledge and will uh, you talked about and also uh, briefly mentioned that uh, in the traditional orientation there is a, a bias and rejection of power and um sri orbindo has revealed that uh, true consciousness is true power chit shakti so in in the practice of integral yoga uh, what parts of the being are to be worked upon to bring this gap consciously could you talk about it in terms of uh, you know the psychological process uh, maybe and is there an interplay between multiple parts that we can work upon simultaneously like say the physical low vital and the life force thank you so uh, the the steps are the same see the power will develop quite naturally and spontaneously as we come more and more in contact with the new consciousness the supramental consciousness to different degrees it's inevitable because as the centers open as the gap 
see when the subliminal uh, opens up in man both things run rush knowledge and power generally power is rejected because you know it aggrandizes the ego and that is true there, there has to be caution and one picks up the trail of knowledge and climbs up but to use the power or allow this power to work through an individual one has to have a complete surrender of the will that's why in shobindo's yoga there is so much insistence on surrender in typical vedanta you meditate you reflect you discern and you eventually enter into that state of knowledge or a higher uh, state of being but in shorbindu yoga precisely because this power element will come in at one point of time normally there is a safeguard that the knowledge comes first and the power follows later that's a safety from the <laughs> chit shakti herself but here the insistence on surrender is precisely for this reason that whatever develops in the being has to be laid at the mother's feet to be used only by her impulsion and not under the impulsion of the ego so for instance let's say the power of healing develops so one may start opening a center of healing and start you know actually engaging in healing a miracle healing or powerful healing so if one does that very soon one will go down because it's a egoistic movement but whereas when the healing power has developed and at a point of time you feel impelled from within mother gives this example all that you need to do is to say be healed and it will heal because that is the divine impulsion you have just become a little conduit for that power to flow through you so it should be completely surrendered and it's true of any other say for instance you develop a power to paint now at some point one may start feeling oh this is so wonderful this capacity is developing in me and you may start doing it for getting name fame and money so again you are moving along a different line but when you surrender it to the divine wait for the inspiration see sunil das music can you imagine that it is a music which would have sold for millions literally millions i have not you know people are so hurry you know they make a record and then they sell it and they are so happy that they have made a you know album they come and advertise just imagine sunil das music is available free of cost i was shocked when i came to know that it's available free of cost mother's music of course mother is beyond everything but just imagine sunil das music is available free of cost had he sold it he would have earned a royalty beyond measure people don't even know many people because it's not sold so this is third example again with knowledge one may use a new knowledge begins to develop now one may use this knowledge to precisely name fame again the same ambition that's why in this yoga or one can do it purely for the service of the divine that's why in this yoga there is repeated insistence on purification freedom from the ego much more than anywhere else because this new consciousness uh, uh, will get completely derailed i mean it won't get derailed man will get derailed <laughs> if if it begins to develop and there is not along with it a progressive surrender that's what should be the caution that as you go up through the passage your surrender must become more and more conscious and more and more detailed and that's why the mother cautioned especially against ambition because things will happen they will develop i am aware of people who you know develop capacities and all that but the moment you go into the line of ambition then you have taken a different route and a big detour so constant vigilance humility surrender powers will come in each one they will come differently even the power to safeguard yourself 
the power to safeguard yourself against intrusion by various kinds of forces all this will develop naturally spontaneously they are not to be sought after for sure but they will come even knowledge is not to be sought after one doesn't have to seek after becoming a superman or a supramental being one has to turn to the mother that's the path he has shown aspiration to come out of this ignorance to embody that divinity because such is the divine will you see there is a very beautiful prayer of the mother lord i aspire to know thee and to love thee and then she says to know thee so that i can love thee better and serve thee better so you see this constant referring to the central point is the mother in this yoga here of course he speaks of surrender in this very chapter divine life and he speaks of surrender and he mentions about the gita it starts where the gita ends but only thing is in 1914 to 19 when shubhendra was writing the life divine Uh, the mother had not yet been established at the center so we must understand in the first lecture itself i said that if you try to practice from the life divine or even for that matter record of yoga there are people who pick up record in yoga i don't know what they start practicing but they start practicing the sapta chatushtya records of yoga ceased in 1927 and that's the time when mother was placed in the forefront he was making the yoga easy for us so that's what we have to understand surrender to the mother more and more whatever power of faculty comes it is for her to be used for her take for example i can tell you about knowledge so when knowledge begins to stream inside you now people may say uh, can you please write something for me can you please write it won't work like that it is not meant to be at a disposal of anybody chhotna rajan ji's example when somebody asked him he was certainly living in quite an intuitive state so person why don't you write can you write my biography he said okay <laughs> and he started writing <laughs> there was a kida there was a worm he lived in a big worm building like that after 15 days because it won't come to you you cannot do it for any personal purposes you have to do it only at the disposal of the divine even shurbindo when he was asked by radhakrishnan to write some article for his journal he refused to do so he gave his reasons i can't come down to that level and this but he could see that this is not where it is meant to go so the power will be at the disposal of the divine for his working other things will come they, they one may name may come one is not pursuing it money may come one is not pursuing it that's a different thing altogether and they have to be again used divinely for the divine purposes not for self aggrandizement may i ask a question yes please uh, it, it doesn't pertain to this particular talk uh, in your earlier talk somewhere you had mentioned that when the psychic being leaves the body or the soul leaves the body at the time of death it takes experiences it uh, if i understood correctly it learns from experiences or takes experiences now i just wanted to know uh, are those experiences of those moments in the person's life when the psychic being was Uh, aware are those moments uh, i mean is it like that or is it you know when you came when you got an award or when you got an achievement are those material uh, what is that that exactly it draws the essence of the experiences of life from all the uh, happenings where the soul was touched in some way or the other so since you mentioned about award i can tell you Uh, say for instance one got an award so ordinarily one got an award there was much halabalu all that is no relevance but when you got an award 
the soul felt deep within one may not be conscious on the surface that what is all this it's nothing but a show and sham now it's i am expressing in a mental language but the soul felt the utter ignobility and the indignity of things in in all these events it could see that you know what this award means and how this is a world of you know falsehood which is created now it saw it and felt it inside though the outer surface consciousness didn't know it that essence is to extract so it will know that in the next life what kind of personality it has to form as i said in the life of a king it realized that in the life of a king there are many restrictions many kinds of things which may uh, stifle our you know journey and one takes that experiences that you know at one point of time you were asked you felt like intervening but because you were um a king you couldn't do it the way you you would have done that psychic moment which took place like a flash and you couldn't do it and you realize that how uh, how being a king brings its own issues and problems so this is how the psychic moments yes it could be through a reward through any kind of smallest things many psychic moments like you know when we look back at our life i'll give an example say when we look back at our life you know all of us 30 35 40 45 50 let's say 50 years uh, people talk about midlife crisis and midlife transition so what happens during that time you look back at your life so what do you really remember you don't remember many of the things which were so important but you remember those few moments it could be moments when you were playing a game and you felt you know a certain spurt of joy i remember one friend telling me that i remember once that when i was playing cricket he missed a catch and he just got this flash feeling that i wish you know i'm sure if god is with me he would play this much better there's a passing moment while leaving a catch he says of all the cricket matches this moment has stuck to him like a something very strong eventually he of course turned towards um, mother and shurbindo whereas one may have read lot of scriptures but it may have left no mark at all so that's how it is the psychic moments that's true but we should understand psychic moments are active at who knows where uh, i mean they are not they don't follow a pattern of standard either a religious or a moral uh, thing it follows a very different law of life yeah psychic moments yeah uh, another question since you mentioned something can one aspire to a certain kind of a next life can you ask for it Yes of course and one one uh, obviously because we are looking forward toward the future so always i say this also why should people want to know about their past life i mean it's okay if you it will be revealed to you if you know the soul fine but our aspiration should be toward the future so whatever will is going to facilitate now there is one kind of ego wish oh i wish you know i didn't have these challenges that's a different thing altogether that's the surface wish of a human being but the other is that you know one is born with let's say there is a defect of nature which prevented one from moving forward very fast so one aspires for a life which is freed relatively free from the clutch of this uh, you know trappings which prevented one from moving toward the divine or to be born in certain circumstances surely even the soul does that one should aspire why not and then surrender it at the divine feet thank you 
So thank you so much, sir, for uh, clarifying our doubts. And uh, with this, we have now reached the end of today's lecture. And now we will observe a minute of silence and then we can call it.